Hello to all our listeners. Thank you for joining us today on episode 10 of our MMM podcast, Music is Medicine, Ask the Expert. Before we get into our interview with our special guest, let me first introduce who we are. MMM stands for Music Men's Minds, a nonprofit organization that began seven years ago. Founded by Carol Rosenstein and her late husband, Erwin Rosenstein, Music Men's Minds' mission is to serve seniors suffering from neurodegenerative diseases such as Alzheimer's, Parkinson's, dementia, stroke, traumatic brain injuries, and PTSD. The story begins with Carol. Her husband, Erwin, fell into the clutches of Parkinson's. Erwin's decline due to this neurodegenerative disease was steep, but one thing kept the joy alive through the late stages of Erwin's life, and that was music. Erwin would light up at the piano, and it seemed as if the disease was gone, if only for a moment. This is when Carol realized music is medicine. Thus, Music Men's Minds was born. Enjoy episode 10 with our special guest, Dr. Helen Lebretsky. Thank you so much for coming on today to talk with us. And would you mind sharing a little bit about who you are and the current work that you're involved in? Yes. Um, <clears throat> so my name is uh, Dr. Helen Lebretsky. I'm a psychiatrist, uh, geriatric psychiatrist and integrative psychiatrist at UCLA. I direct uh, several programs. One is on late life mood stress and wellness. Um, I'm a, uh, the director of research for the UCLA Integrative Medicine Collaborative and also direct the Integrative Psychiatry Clinic. And I got involved with long COVID. And so I direct the psychiatry clinic for long COVID. So uh, I became an integrative psychiatry uh, as a result of my personal journey. Uh, I'm dealing with multiple stressors when I was uh, younger, about 15, 16, 17, almost 20 years ago, uh, where I was looking for um, a tool or tools on how to deal with stress. And I came upon a Kundalini Yoga practice that became something that I was very interested in. And it changed uh, me, it changed the way I view the world, it changed uh, my professional orientation. I became an integrative psychiatrist, got boarded uh, on 11-11-11. <laughs> I, I felt like that would be my contribution to the to humanity if I had to take the boards on that date. And um, I pursued uh, research in the effects of integrative um, interventions like yoga, uh, tai chi, meditation, music, uh, art, exposure to nature. So, and I'm not uh, committed just to just one modality. And music has been a part of my uh, life. I'm a trained pianist. Uh, I finished music school, didn't progress beyond that. But I always loved music and I felt that music is such a universal language and tool. In my uh, training as a physician, uh, psychiatrist, neuropsychiatrist, neuroscientist, what was apparent to me from uh, dealing with uh, uh, victims of stroke or some dementias, that music opens a way of, to communication when they lose their speech because it affects a different hemisphere in the brain. And if we wanted to uh, start rehabilitation for uh, uh, patients who had strokes, we would start with music to elicit their speech because they would uh, singing was much easier for them than speaking. And uh, slowly you would rewire their brain uh, by allowing this different pathway, which is emotion uh, laden. You know, they, they remember the, the tunes, they remember the words, it has a personal emotional meaning. Um, and so it, uh, they're more, much more in touch with that piece of music or song. 
Absolutely. So you talk about this really robust, effective music, especially with rehabilitation. So why do you think that music's not as often utilized in our healthcare system? And how do you think we might be able to change this in future years? Right. It's picking up uh, like dance, dentist's office use music uh, instead of anesthesia or in addition to anesthesia to relax patients. Uh, there's def- definitely a pickup in the nursing home long-term care uh, where music therapy be- became a, a main staple sort of, you know, of, of the menu of things that they do besides taking care of physical needs. Um, and music therapists know that um, there's a, you know, this emotional connection to music is something that uh, they could activate by knowing patients' individual likes and their background, their youth. Usually people react to songs and music of their youth um, from ages 9 to 21. You have to really know what era in music it was in order to kind of pick up. And so music therapists who work in that arena um, uh, design an individualized music list, playlist. So as far as mu- um, uh, medical enterprise, uh, it all comes to money and funding, okay? So music therapists are not funded by insurance companies. And at UCLA, we utilize uh, music therapy, especially in children's hospital, uh, but it's all privately funded. So, you know, it really comes down to who's going to pay for it, uh, where the com- uh, money coming from. Ideally, occupational therapists who are also uh, trained musically could use this as a component of their occupational therapist that is reimbursed by insurance companies. Okay, that makes a lot of sense. Are there um, any results from your research, especially with, with different types of integrative interventions, not just music, but especially with music, are there any results that really stand out to you? So I personally studied chanting meditation in stress dementia caregivers, okay? And then we continued studies of uh, chanting meditation as a um, uh, homework practice for uh, older adults with mild cognitive impairment and in women with cardiovascular risk factors uh, who, who were at risk for Alzheimer's disease. And in all of the studies, this was a very, it's a brief, chanting meditation called uh, Kirtan Kriya. Um, uh, The first study we conducted in 2009, 2010, and that was an eye-opening, probably the first on many levels study that found that even in 11 minutes of chanting uh, would cause really profound biological changes in the immune system, uh, in uh, uh, biomarkers of uh, cellular aging, like telomerase, telomeres of the genetic material, um, that was reversed, the aging was reversed, and uh, definitely improvement in mental health, physical health, cognition, which was a new um, finding at that time, because uh, cognition wasn't one of the um, outcomes that people were looking at with music or yoga, uh, because they were, they were considered ones being only uh, like relaxation techniques, stress reduction techniques. But over time, and especially now, we understand that all of it has a really profound effect, neuroplastic effect on the brain, and uh, people achieve better cognitive outcomes, including children who are learning to play music. 
uh, amazing outcomes in terms of um, academic achievement, uh, IQ, achieving a Q in uh, children who are practicing in playing instruments and participating in the choir or in uh, orchestra uh, versus those who are playing sports, for instance. So even even um, that could be um, a, a, an element of education, public education about what music can do. Definitely, you know, in people like in your case, in the foundation cases, uh, people who are losing their ability to communicate and they um, have music as a background or enjoy playing it or dancing, uh, that would be one tool for uh, promoting their well-being and connection to this reality still, you know, when they are disconnected in many other ways. Wow, that is fascinating. And it sounds like there's a lot of different biological systems involved when we listen to music that previously we didn't have any appreciation for. Um, and also that it's affecting us at different stages in our life. Is that correct? Oh, absolutely. Music is one of the amazing tools given to humanity that um, can be instrumental in imp improving communication and um, well-being. For instance, I'll give you an example. Uh, some of my friends work with refugees in Africa and now in Ukraine and all sorts of uh, Syrian refugees. And they go in with this traumatized people and they start playing music and breathing together without even speaking the same language, you know, or being able to understand each other. It becomes, within 20 minutes, uh, people are transformed because joy and music is one of the things that brings joy to people and it's universal, uh, brings humanity out of them very easily and fast. And so they forget their traumas for, for a bit, you know, if they're under the influence of music. Definitely. And I see Carol nodding too. I'm sure she can attest to that as well. <laughs> uh, for the members at Music Men's Minds, they're not only playing the songs that they've heard in the past and that they've known for many years, they're also learning a lot of new songs as well. So how do you think this ability to acquire new musical information or skills can affect patients' quality of life and awareness in the midst of their current diagnosis? Um, again, you know, any new learning, if they're capable of appreciating new music, um, you know, because across generationally, it's not transferring very well, you know, from music of one generation that is not loved by another generation and then vice versa. So if you could convince uh, older adults to listen to hard rock um, and play it, that would be an achievement or rap. <laughs> so, so um, you know, it, it also signifies uh, openness to new experiences, which is a strength. It's a it's a sign of resilience. This next question is from John. Are there any physical cellular changes or benefits noted in seniors as there are in children from music engagement? As they what? I didn't hear you well. Uh, they, physical cellular changes noted in seniors, um, similar to how we note in children as they engage in music. Oh, that's what we study, you know. So that's uh, uh, in children. I don't think anybody looked at aging, <laughs> cellular aging, but we did look at it in uh, dementia caregivers and uh, women fifty plus with cardiovascular risk uh, factors, and in older adults with mild cognitive impairment. 
And that's who we are studying uh, with respect to aging, biological aging, which would be inflammation, cellular aging, and uh, gene expression. We found, that was the first study that found that with chanting meditation, uh, genes transform as a result of our experience. It's called epigenetic and uh, genetic expression uh, changes um, and decreases expression in the inflammatory pathways and upregulates antiviral protection. So, you know, you would say um, in the context of COVID pandemic that music would have been protective for people as an antiviral protection defense. Do you think there's any difference in terms of how protective music is, especially for seniors, depending on whether they have prior musical training, or do you think it can be effective for everyone? Um, uh, the more musical training you have, the better you are in reading or appreciating the music. If you compare people who don't play instruments uh, versus professional musicians, they transcribe or understand music differently, you know? And uh, it doesn't really matter because uh, what matters here is joy uh, that they receive from participating in musical experience. And um, that is pretty universal. They, they may be interpreted at, at different cognitive levels, um, but the emotional level is the same. It's like joy and uh, well-being. And when we talk about joy and well-being, what's, what's going on in the brain chemically that's creating this and maybe allowing other parts of the brain to function more effectively. Yeah, it is protective for any kind of stress-related uh, changes with cortisol and other stress hormones being increased and alarm uh, going up in the brain with amygdala, which is a structure, emotional structure in the brain, uh, not firing as much. Um, there are uh, two systems, uh, they're called autonomic nervous system, parasympathetic and sympathetic, and sympathetic is a stress response or a flight and fight reaction. Um, uh, and uh, the parasympathetic is stop sign, you know, come down, stop sign. So music is activating this parasympathetic reaction with stop sign. Could you speak a little bit about the relation between these neurodegenerative diseases and the mood disorders that you've talked about studying and how closely they relate that sort of comorbidity? Um, they do play a role. In fact, uh, cumulative stress exposure throughout their lives probably plays a, a significant role in the uh, advancement of neurodegenerative vascular changes that play a role in um, Alzheimer's disease and other dementias. Uh, and as far as Parkinson's disease, anxiety is well known to be a pre-existing condition preceding uh, Parkinson's disease by about 10, 15 years like panic and generalized anxiety. Um, so what happens, and depression is a known risk factor for developing Alzheimer's disease, that is also linked, both conditions, anxiety and depression, are linked to hippocampal atrophy, which is a mark um, uh, biomarker of Alzheimer's disease or memory loss. Uh, hippocampus is a structure participating both in memory regulation and emotion regulation. So with cortisol, and um, it, I explain to patients that uh, stress are sort of eating up your brain. The more stress you have over time, uh, the um, 
harder you have to fight against the uh, negative influences of stress hormones and um, uh, experiencing trauma. Other factors also play a role, uh, like lifestyle factors like sleep, which is also, um, you know, some sleep disorders are risk factors for Alzheimer's disease and vascular dementia. Um, so, you know, emotionality and neurodegenerative changes in dementias uh, have a lot of interplay in terms of uh, bidirectional effects because patients with Parkinson's disease also known to have quite a bit of anxiety and depression, like 50% comorbid, uh, same is true about Alzheimer's disease. It's really fascinating that you talk about the bidirectional effect. I think a lot of the time we talk about Alzheimer's and Parkinson's and how the symptoms of those diseases can lead to depression and anxiety, but not necessarily how there might be underlying biomarkers contributing to all of these disorders at once. Um, so I appreciate you shedding some light on that. Um, and I guess my next question would be, how do you think that geriatric care as a whole has changed since the recent pandemic and the years following? And do you think that certain resources or accessibility to these types of interventions has become more accessible or less accessible or just different? Um, no, we're in the period of a great um, shortage of mental health care for this uh, people, just generally, you know, like fewer uh, mental health providers and a growing number of those suffering um, from mental disorders as a result of the pandemic. So uh, pre-pandemic, we had in general population, the levels of anxiety were 11%. In 2021, it was 44%. So it's a threefold jump. Um, in 2022, it got reduced to 33%, which is still higher. Um, so we're dealing with multiple levels of uh, threats, you know, reaction to pandemic itself, uh, having a virus and suffering from long COVID, which I'm now studying. Uh, that is also uh, found to be a, a risk factor for developing dementia, of course, and has a lot of neuropsychiatric symptoms as a result of that. So that millions of people have had it. So the problem with long COVID is that it was so such a dramatic pandemic, you know, millions and millions got it. And then about 10 to 30% would develop long COVID, which would be a protracted disease, chronic disease with a lot of neuropsychiatric conditions. In older adults, it's a, now known to lead to conversion to dementia. And uh, at the same time, you know, more people want mental health care and there are fewer providers. So there's a dis, uh, disconnect here. Uh, so we're running around trying to problem solve here. And uh, but people, what, what did happen on the positive note was technological uh, revolution. Basically, you know, uh, first of all, po general public became aware of mental health needs, and as did our government, who had been trying to deny um, that it, you know, requires attention. And uh, it's on everybody's radar now. Everybody wants mental health. Uh, how do you get it is another question, you know, because all uh, mental health providers in the city are overwhelmed by the number of patients they see. So, so there's a burnout, there's a, what do you call it, the, uh, when they check out <laughs> at work, <laughs> they don't quite contribute. Um, and early retirement in many. 
and uh, but uh, there are apps now telemedicine is now provided uh, some uh, insurance reimbursement for and hopefully that will continue for mental health provision because it really increases access to care uh, there are new uh, innovative companies that only do um, tele telemedicine um, tele mental health uh, so that's i think will not change so that pandemic opened that door because prior to that uh, insurance companies had a major problem with telemedicine would not reimburse it and apps app development in 2020 it was just such a craze all the young people went on the bandwagon developing all sorts of stress reducing apps and i don't know how many of those survived over time <laughs> but it's another industry do you recommend these apps? Do you feel like they're a good first place to turn for mental health care or like especially for older populations? Do you think it's more effective for some people? Well, we had to transition. At the time, I had a yoga study going for mild cognitive impairment and a Tai Chi study going for uh, geriatric depression. We had to go on um, virtually. And uh, it required about a month of adaptation to learn how to deal with Zoom. And in fact, teachers had harder time than the uh, older participants. So they have some knowledge of it, whether or not they're more amenable to looking at the phone uh, than younger adults, probably not, you know, because uh, younger, you know, Gen Zs are, are growing up with holding, you know, having an iPhone as a chip in their brain. And older adults, for older adults, it's foreign, you know, so they don't enjoy it, they don't appreciate it, they are reluctant to learn it. Not everybody, but for the majority, um, it's not a welcome addition. But if they must, if that's the only choice, it's better than nothing. And we're showing that it could be effective and uh, as effective as an in-person interaction. Great. Well, I'd love to open up questions to the rest of the Zoom call, if anybody has anything to add or would like to ask Dr. Levetsky. Yeah, Dr. Lebetsky, thank you very much for being here. You said something about 15 minutes ago that r really perked me up. Uh, and you were saying that basically music engagement, while it, you know, lowers stress and and and, and that's a, it actually helps the immune system. Is that, did uh, I hear you correctly? Yes, yes, yes. This is does. something that we, I haven't put into words before, but I found uh, really important. Yeah, it's probably via, so we've shown several ways by which the, it could happen. Uh, and that has to do with this reduction in stress and um, relaxation response that follows and the joy and happiness and uh, positive emotions that music uh, evokes um, that strengthen the immune system. That so biologically, chem chemically, it's raising the cortisone levels? No, no, not uh, decreases, decreases cortisol. Decreases is cortisol, yeah, it decreases yeah, the yeah, cortisol yeah. levels. Right. And, and and in particular, anxiety uh, tends to make Parkinson's patients worse, and depression tends to make Alzheimer's patients worse. So when you're elevating, um, you're you're helping those things. You're directly affecting the uh, symptoms that, uh, that patients are suffering from. No, not I would go even beyond that. You could prevent or delay the onset of the Alzheimer's or Parkinson's disease by intervening 
as early as possible. Sure. I am a big proponent of uh, training stress reduction skills for kindergartners. You know, <laughs> you're if, you're you're saying I am yeah. I'm having I'm having this experience with music men's minds where the things that I look at and logically come to and logically conclude turn out to be now very much supported by the the medical uh, uh, scholarship behind it. And that's fabulous. And that's, and that's one of them. The full extension of our argument in music men's minds to benefit seniors and seniors with neurodegenerative uh, challenges is that you can help children, human beings, build armor against this, starting with music in kindergarten. It's a very powerful tool, and it's universal, non-controversial. You don't have to argue about it. For instance, you know, when I try to popularize yoga, not everybody's open to yoga. Then I go to breathing. Breathing is not controversial. Music is not controversial. What kind of music is controversial? Yeah. You know, because for you, probably uh, listening to metal rock would not be relaxing, but uh, for a certain generation, it was, you know. Right. Right. <laughs> so. my, my bottom line is the fact that you may not know who you're married to or where you live, but you can sing somewhere over the rainbow. Yeah. It's a... That's so thank you for that uh, on the immune system stuff. That just adds another little bullet to our arsenal. Are, is, there a, is there a study somewhere that says this? Well, you know, if you consider chanting meditation and music, we said that. But there are, uh, there are studies. Uh, immune system is a low-hanging uh, fruit because you could easily measure it. I do brain studies that are more complicated, more expensive, but the immune system has been, and cortisol levels. That's what music uh, mm -hmm. interventions have looked at. Do you have a study that's published uh, or even not published that we could look at and try to make, and I could try to make sense of with my very untrained? <laughs> yeah. Right. Yes, I can send you my studies for sure. Would you please? Yeah. Thank you. We're in a we're in a very uh, a growing discussion with the Sound Health Network and with other people about going to insurance companies and getting them mm -hmm. to support reimbursement. Uh, and this 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 discussion is suddenly taking off, and so we're looking for all the armament we can get. Okay. Yeah. Yes. No. I'm I'm happy to be a part of it. I'm now the president of the American Association for Geriatric Psychiatry, so I am in the middle of all uh, advocacy effort right now uh, with AARP and other organizations. We're going to have a conversation with the National Council on Wellbeing, Mental Wellbeing, and that's a large organization. In fact, they're going to have a meeting here in Los Angeles on May 1st where I'm presenting but it's a large, large uh, organization with thousands of people and organ different organizations belonging. And the mental well-being, music is one of the most powerful uh, tools for that. That's that's going to be at UCLA? No, it will be in the convention center in Los Angeles. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, I'd like to crash that. <laughs> sure, why not? <laughs> Oh, thank you. Okay. Dr. Lavretsky, I'm sitting here on the edge of my chair mm -hmm. uh, with so many uh, emotions surfacing, which is tears to be included in all of this. Mm. Um, having had a 15-year journey with my darling husband, 
Parkinson's and dementia. What a tough uphill climb. Hmm. And for the first 10 years was brutal. And the second five years was much better because of the music. And we discovered that music does change brain chemistry. Just by watching my husband sitting playing the piano in our home, he developed side effects to the medication, to the cinemat. Mm -hmm. Dr. Bronstein, our personal neurologist, said, drop the dose. Well, that was like pulling a rug out from under Irwin without artificial dopamine coming into him. And he became agitated. And But I could watch him at the piano. Within five or ten minutes, he'd be a dry, a, a wet noodle, and then he'd be a dry noodle. Mm-hmm. It was just that stark, that evident that he had changed his personality within 10 or 15 minutes. And that's what started Music Men's Minds. It was Dr. Bronstein from UCLA who on the telephone said to me, Carol, you're watching the power of music changing brain chemistry. And I said, Jeff, does that mean we can go find some like-minded souls and jam and have some fun together and find joy? (laughs) And he said, do it. And that's the underpinning to this entire discussion today. And you, the messenger of the scientific facts, again, just concretizes for us that our journey is foolproof. We've got to keep on going, and we're just thrilled to be able to know somebody like you to have in our family. So, yes, I've had patients uh, Parkinson, with Parkinson's disease. I wrote a book on resilience and aging uh, way back. and It was published in 2014. And one of the patients who um, uh, kind of catalyzed the, the writing of the book was a patient with Parkinson's disease who uh, was attending dancing, dancing classes, dancing for Parkinson's way back, you know, they're now very popular, but, you know, if people can't play music, they can embody it by dancing, you know? So um, fortunately your husband had the skill. I watched the videos of him playing, very touching. And, um, but it's any kind of embodiment of music, you know, drumming is very popular in Parkinson's also circles. And um, uh, drumming has been studied in children throughout lifespan, found to be uh, very helpful in terms of behavioral improvement and across different neuropsychiatric disorders from autism on, you know, to Alzheimer's disease. It's done in um, nursing homes and in uh, assisted living uh, uh, communities. So, you know, anything you can do that has a rhythm and vibe and the community um, will probably generate a lot of joy and improvement in the quality of life. Thank you. uh, Music Men's Minds has now adopted another aspect of music making and it's drum circles. Mm -hmm. And we now have professional drum circle facilitators doing in-person music groups. We have eight in-person music groups in Los Angeles now and several of them are drum circles, and that is magical. Mm-hmm. Within five, ten minutes, people are levitating. Mm-hmm. They've never spoken. They've never moved, and they're busy moving to the beat. It's, it's, it's primal. 
And it, it just goes right to the heart of things. So drumming, we really are using in our arsenal now. And by the way, if there are any opportunities in your world where you see an opportunity for an in-person music group for your kinds of patients, including others, we would, you know, we, we're working now with the County of Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. So we're, we're developing in-person music groups around the county. So we can plug patients of yours into our programs. We'd be thrilled to offer our help in this fashion. Mm-hmm. It's wonderful. What that is program, the what is the age for that? Or you know, what are they require? They're seniors, mm-hmm. but we're intergenerational because we teach that when the seniors lose their facility of traditional language and they become aphasic. Music is the chosen language to take the young ones and the old ones all the way down the continuum of life. And yeah, so, you know, by itself, it's a very important uh, aspect intergenerational that has been shown to play a huge role in the mental well being, but also um, uh, developing purpose in life, you know, for older generation to play a role in mentoring or participating in youngest uh, generation lives. I was going to add um, exactly to to that. We starting groups around town. It's cross cultural as well as uh, cross ageism. Uh, so we probably had uh, a fifty year range of people in those in those drum circles from all over the world uh we're going amazing yeah no that's amazing that and that and and that is good for a cityscape certainly (laughs) a cityscape like los angeles yeah 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 i was aware of groups on santa monica beach and in venice uh like 120 to um 100 to 200 people gathering together Mm -hmm. and drumming we start Wednesday in Santa Monica at Wise and Healthy Aging, if you know that organization. Yes. Uh-huh. And there'll be a lot of different, and we're starting with a drum circle there. Excellent. Yeah. Probably we'll go to sing a sing along afterwards at Gen Space. We're probably going to follow with the sing along too. It's wait, there's a waiting list every week. On the sing along? Like uh, virtual? No, this, no, this is uh, live. Carol, Carol invented this virtual on Zoom about mm-hmm. three years ago. And mm-hmm. I think there should be a Pulitzer Prize or a Nobel Prize for something like that. If you put the dementia crowd on Zoom and make it work, uh-huh. that's really something. And, yeah. Well, uh, okay, so that's a good point. Let me let me think about uh, you know the the prize <laughs> because as I mentioned, I'm now the president of the American Association for Geriatric Psychiatry, and we had a. I'm, um, not, I'm not fishing for accolades. Award. But, but, but uh, I mean, I, in my heart, in my heart, I yeah. looked at that she put yeah, hundreds of people on Zoom who, mm-hmm. who don't go out and see anybody and may not remember it if they do, and, mm-hmm. and they have the best time of their life. Mm-hmm. And we have that currently three times a week, Pacific Standard Time. We have people coming from Rwanda, from Uganda, from Canada, and they're all zooming in. They're all on their tiles with caregivers. They're singing. 
Up a storm, some of them are doing solos. We're led by board-certified oh. music therapists. Mm. And it's, it's a free-for-all. It's a party. And we did this all the way through Zoom, through COVID. And so, yes, yeah. our platform is eager to have more people. And you are a fountainhead mm. to help us with connections. We want to find the people who we can offer the music to. Right, because I do integrative medicine. That's what I was providing for uh, DMH, Department of Mental Health, uh, like trainings and uh, for physicians. That was very well received. Uh, that's another, you know, DMH is another place to go to. Uh, let me connect you to um, Taya Verteregian is a doctor. She's a geriatric psychiatrist in... Um, a charge of Genesis, which is a program for older adults, mentally ill older adults. That that, yeah, that's DMH. That's DMH. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. Oh, I would love. We would love to do that because we're in. We're already becoming partners with Laura Trejo in in this, and probably bringing the city along with us. Uh, I I just know a little bit about uh, LA's governance, and if we can make the county and the city work together on anything, that would be amazing. Ah, ha, ha, you would be the first. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Tell me if you're successful. <laughs> I, I, okay. I know, but we know, we know them all. And we had uh, Jaime Pacheco, who is the director of the city department of aging, came to our concert last month uh -huh. with his son. And so we're in touch with him. And um, uh, this part of things are going well. I mean, it goes slow because you got to get everybody's attention, but nobody, it's its like music for these people. There's no bad side effect, you know? Yeah, exactly. So I'm just thinking, we have—we do have, I'm a director of research for the Integrative Medicine Collaborative uh, here. Maybe we could invite you and just listen to you again as a, and they might have other thoughts. There are integrative doctors at UCLA. Who, and music therapy is one of the modalities that we have and pursue uh, mostly with children because there's just not money to cover for everybody. But uh, there's always a, a lot of interest um, in developing that and hiring people to do that. Well, we would love that. We just, okay. had, a, we just had a reality show, lovely reality show did an episode on us. It's really beautiful. It's a great show. It's about a guy who is so addicted. He is so addicted to volunteering. He scours the country for nonprofits to roll <laughs> up the sleeves and jump into. So, I mean, mm -hmm. it's, 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 it's very accessible. It's mm -hmm. very fun, but it turns into quite an emotional and powerful half hour mm -hmm. with our people. And mm -hmm. it affected, and you could see it affected him like nothing else has ever affected him. Mm -hmm. and, and, and it comes, it's beautiful. It's absolutely mm -hmm. beautiful. We, and Carol will send you, Absolutely. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, this is great. I don't, the, the whole idea that you just told me that music has uh, a powerful uh, positive effect on the immune system of these people mm -hmm. is, is, you know, I'm going to be quoting you all over the country. Yeah, please do. <laughs> we're going to, because uh, we're in those discussions right now with the insurance people. And I'd like to have you part of our um, battle brigade. I sure would. Mm -hmm. And talking okay. about all over the country, I, I must mention Dr. Mary Mittelman. Mary and I have been joined at the hip for several years. And mm -hmm. 
she was so excited to hear that you were coming on board to handle our pilot study. She said, oh, 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 I know Helen. And, and just, I want Yeah, we're, oh, oh, wait, what is today? Today is the third. We're, uh, by the end of this week, we'll know whether we get funded. Um, uh, and that is a Music Brain and Dementia uh, Research Network. Wow, and I know that's a big one, right? That, well, you know, that's... Let us know. Yeah, so then we'll be trying to invent many things, you know, so um, that's basically to support all researchers involved in this area and create a bigger network and initiate studies like pilot studies so we would be able to invent something with you, hopefully. Well, wow. it would be great. Our... our um... A project with the city, with the county, and all of our other ones is we, you know, we're very careful to say we're not researchers, but what we are is a target-rich environment for researchers. I like the rich part. Can we get? <laughs> 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 Don't sugarcoat it. Give it to me straight. <laughs> uh, um, but anyway, there's people and. Uh, uh, just waiting for this, and and frankly, the more the more I, you think about it, the more you look back and say, why hasn't this happened a long time ago? Yeah, because nobody was stressed enough. Now everybody's stressed. <laughs> you yeah. know, uh, if we had distractions, uh, if not wasn't for the pandemic, everybody would be distracted, okay, by different things. But uh, the fact that we were cooped in and mewling in our own um space uh brought up this wanting more you know wanting we all want more that is not that is not cooped up in the, in the house so something good will come of it here i'm sure i'm sure it was a very powerful stimulation of yeah. innovation and of course all of our programs are free when we say fun free and therapeutic <laughs> so that's, that's our yeah. well, the you know, rhythm of life we're fun, free and therapeutic all power to you because very few things are free here <laughs> I know we're, we're, tight. we're trying to keep it free so um, truly I mean this has been a magical moment together to meet you Dr. Labretsky I'm thrilled absolutely thank you so much for joining us today on Music as Medicine Ask the Expert Dr. Labretsky You've shared such amazing research findings, and we're so grateful that you were able to come on today and share your knowledge with us. And we can't wait to hear more about your work in the future. Thank you to our listeners for joining us today. If you'd like to learn more about Music Men's Minds, please visit our website at www.musicmensminds.org. Thank you again to Dr. Lavretsky for joining us today, and we'll see you next time.